In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords, Prince of peace, we come before you here tonight in a spirit of faith and hope and love and adoration. And we ask you, Jesus, for a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit, your spirit, the spirit of God, the spirit of truth, the spirit of life, our advocate, the comforter. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray, Holy Spirit, come and fill our hearts and renew our minds, strengthen our spirits. Come, Holy Spirit, we need you. We love you. We welcome you to help us have a new encounter with the living God here tonight. To have a personal, profound experience of the living God and of his unconditional, merciful love. Mother Mary, Our Lady of Fatima, we crown you the queen of our gathering here tonight as we pray together. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So I'd like to begin here by reading from John's Gospel, chapter 19. It's Mary, John, at the foot of the cross. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing near, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So I wanted to read that passage tonight because today, October 13th, 2023, is the 106th anniversary of the great miracle of the sun at Fatima. You may not be familiar with the story of Fatima, so let me summarize it really quickly. Mother Mary appeared to three shepherd children for the first time on May 13th, 1917. And Fatima is about an hour's drive today north of Lisbon, Portugal. And these were shepherd children. They weren't even teenagers. They were about 7, 9, and 11. A boy and two girls, a brother and a sister, and their first cousin. And so Mother Mary appears to them out in the field, and she tells them to pray the rosary, to pray for peace, 
And she instructs them to come back the following month and she'll appear to them again. So June 13th, July 13th. Well, word gets out, as you can imagine, and people are demanding a sign. The kids are are begging Mary for a sign so that people will believe them. And Mary promised a sign for October. So on October 13th, 1917, there were more than 50,000 people gathered in this field. And it was a rainy day because it's the rainy season in Portugal. I know because I was there a year ago and it rained almost every day. Thankfully, not too much. But it was raining and all of a sudden, the skies opened up and the sun came out. I began to dance as people described it. It swirled, it emanated different colors. At one point it even appeared to be falling to the earth and people were crying out for mercy and begging God to forgive their sins. But the ground, which was muddy, dried immediately. People's clothes dried immediately. People who were lame began to walk. There were all kinds of healings that happened. And so this was a great miracle, a great miracle. In fact, Christians, Christian scholars say that it's only the second miracle of its kind in the history of Christianity. Because there was this miracle that happened at a predicted time in a predicted place. And they say the only other miracle of its kind was the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Because Jesus, throughout his ministry, predicted that he would go up to Jerusalem, he would be crucified, he would die, but on the third day, he would rise. So if that's the most important miracle in Christianity, the resurrection, perhaps we could say the second most important miracle in the history of Christianity was the miracle of the Son. It's meant to be a message of hope. Fatima and what Our Lady shared there is meant to be a message of hope. World War I was going on, and she said it will end. But if the world does not turn back to God, a second even worse world war will occur. So imagine, World War II could have been prevented. That's a sobering thought when you think about the tens of millions of lives that were lost. When you think about the Holocaust. And so here we find ourselves, perhaps on the brink of World War III. Nevertheless, we we know that our society is in a very precarious place. And we know that we need some kind of divine intervention. And so here we are on a Friday night, Friday the 13th, for all of you Jason fans out there. Well, this is Father Jason coming to you (laughs) from Our Lady of Refuge. (laughs) Not to be a scary night at all, but to be a night of grace, a night of blessing, a night of healing. And we pray not just for those of us here But we believe as Christians, as members of Christ's mystical body, the church, 
that the graces that flow here tonight don't stop here, but they go out. They flow out from here. And if we have the intention of blessing any particular person outside of these walls or any particular country, well, God is going to answer that prayer. So Jesus, we pray for tonight for our families and our friends, our loved ones, for those who couldn't be here tonight. And we pray, Lord, for peace, especially peace, peace in the Middle East, the land that you walked, that has always been a, a place of contention and fighting. We pray, Jesus, for the gift of your peace to come upon the Middle East, upon the Israelis and Palestinians. We pray for an end to terrorism. We pray for mercy to prevail, Lord. We pray for the conversion of hearts. We pray for the conversion of sinners as Mary admonished us at Fatima. We pray for the conversion of sinners, the salvation of souls, and we pray in reparation for the sins of the world, especially the, the sins of terror and war. Jesus, divine mercy, we ask you to have mercy on us and on the whole world tonight as we pray. So Mary, at the foot of the cross there, it's not written here, but I think it's safe to assume that when Jesus looked at her and said, woman, behold your son, she had to give her consent, just as she did when the archangel Gabriel appeared to her with God's plan for her to become the mother of God, the mother of the Savior. She said, let it be done to me according to your word. So there she was very explicit. It's recorded. She said yes to God's plan for her. Well, Mary had to keep saying yes, just like you and I have to keep saying yes to God. You don't just say yes once. You might mean it forever, but in our humanity, we need to keep saying yes. We need to keep renewing our yes to God's invitation. But God keeps inviting us to more. And that's why we have to keep saying yes, because it's not the same. Even though Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, he keeps inviting us to follow him more closely and to take on, you might say, more responsibility as we steward the gifts that he gives us in a way that honors him and genuinely serves the people of God, well, he will entrust us with more responsibility. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful in small matters. Now take charge of even greater responsibility. And so we have to keep answering yes to that. Because God will not impose it. He will never force us to follow him in any particular way. He'll never force us 
to take on some responsibility for his kingdom. He will always respect our freedom. And he respected the freedom of his mother. And so although it's not recorded, I can't help but think Mary gave her assent. She said yes again to be the mother of the church. And I'm in the the club that says Mary did not experience birth pangs in Bethlehem. You can disagree with that. But I think theologically it's safe to assume she didn't experience birth pangs in Bethlehem when she gave birth to Jesus. Because that's a punishment for original sin. It's a consequence of original sin, which she was spared of. She's the Immaculate Conception. So there's the logic. But at the foot of the cross, when Jesus was asking her to become mother of the church, when he was asking her to become our mother, your mother in the order of grace, she suffered. She suffered greatly. And that's why we call her the mother of sorrows. That's why she is also honored as a martyr because she stood by at the foot of the cross and her heart was undoubtedly pierced with a sword of sorrow. And if you know anything about women's psychology, it's much more painful for them to watch their loved ones suffer than it is for them to suffer themselves. So you might argue that she suffered more than anybody else there except for Jesus. So she said yes. So in a sense, she chose to be your mother. She chose, she desired to be your mother and my mother. Did she know what that would imply? I don't think so. Just like she didn't really know exactly what she was getting into when she consented to be the mother of God. Nor did she really know exactly what she was getting into when she consented to be mother of the church. In exchange for Jesus, the Son of God, she had to live with Peter and James and John and Andrew. She's like, oh, these knuckleheads, wow. Jesus, where did you go? I want my Jesus back. I don't think she ever said that. But it had to be hard, for sure. And and she still watches over all of us as her own. And so from heaven, she visits from time to time. She visits earth in a very concrete way. And I like to brag that the only place that she officially visited here in the United States happens to be in Wisconsin. (laughs) If you don't know, I'm a cheesehead. I grew up in Milwaukee. So I take pride in the fact that she appeared near Green Bay, Wisconsin, in a little town called Champion. So now she's officially known as Our Lady of Champion. They just changed her name recently. So she's Our Lady of Champion. I know some of you have visited there with me. 
We should probably plan another pilgrimage soon. So she appears to encourage her children, to admonish them a little bit, and to remind them that God exists and that God loves us and has a plan for us, a good plan. Even though sometimes people don't follow that, God is always trying to bring good whenever people are doing evil. But we shouldn't mistake an evil for God's will. God does not want there to be a, war, a World War III. God does not want there to be the killing of innocent people in Gaza or Israel. That's not God's will. But we pray and we trust that he will bring about conversion, that he will answer our prayers here tonight and the prayers of millions around the world who are praying for peace. So as we continue then tonight with adoration and the opportunity to come forward, let us ask the Lord to heal us and to give us his gift of peace. Because we can't have peace in the world unless we have peace in our hearts. Pope Benedict would say that a lot. That, that peace is not something man-made. You can't have man-made peace. It doesn't work. Peace is a gift. A gift of God. And so Jesus, once again we ask you tonight for your gift of peace. We pray for peace in our hearts, peace in our homes. Peace in our parishes and community. Peace in this archdiocese. Peace in our country. Peace in the world. Jesus, Prince of Peace, visit your people. Turn your people back to the Father through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.